0: Mastering Life Adventures begins now.
1: Hi, in this segment of our time together, we'll be focused on real life adventures with Richard Mead, and those real life experiences that he has experienced on his journey. And I we want to hear from him and his thoughts about that. And so I want Richard to introduce himself, and then he'll turn it back over to me to begin our time together.
2: Good morning, Judith. It's a joy to be with you. Thank you for this opportunity. You're welcome. So my name is Richard Mead, and I've done many things in my life. And at the present moment, I am retired. That being said, I was a massage therapist for over 35 years and had a beautiful, steady clientele where, 80% Eighty percent of that clientele, it ended up that we worked together for all of that period of time. The, these people would have babies, and I would be massaging them, and now they're in their twenties. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been just very dynamic and very beautiful. And my life's experiences of going through the the sense of the phoenix rising where um, you go through your trials and tribulations and I found constantly that when I come out the other side of that the absolute richness of what I just traversed through is becomes a part and dynamic part of who I am so you accumulate these precious pearls over, you know, 75 years, and it's phenomenal. So I came over to America in 19 – in Australia, I raised a family, two beautiful daughters. I've got five grandchildren and three great-grandchildren in Australia. I came over here in 1984, and uh, it's been a very – it's been a blessing to be in America I I did not expect this at all but when I landed in Los Angeles and my feet were actually on the land of America mm. I wept and I mm. wept and I wept and I didn't I didn't it was it was amazing I felt that I was home I felt that I was home
1: when you said that, the thought that came to my mind was at the soul level is as if the soul knew it was in the right place and it was weeping for joy uh, and it was weeping for the awareness that you, you have arrived at some level and your destiny, in the direction that you were going to live your life in, in America and what all that meant. So our soul knows so much more what all that means. And the outer only knows maybe exactly what you were saying, Richard. I wept. I mean, I've known all the while I wept, but I know it was a, a weeping of joy, which is wonderful. And this gets into our topic that we want to talk about today. And that's around being truly, are you present with joy? And that joy can look differently in different ways. And one of the things of your soul weeping was the joy of being here in the United States of America. Would would you say that to be true?
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So that's who I am.
1: (laughs) Which is great. And so one of the things that we're going to be talking about as we talk about are you present with joy is we're going to look at this in three different analogies that I bring up when I talk with my guests. One is the cork and water. When do we need to float through things and know that life and God and angels are holding us? The other is a skateboard in life. Maybe when we need to slow things down a little bit and look and observe and not fall off the skateboard but look and observe what we need to observe in order to learn the lessons that we're moving through. And the other analogy is the trampoline. Sometimes we need to be a trampoline. We need to bounce and we need to bounce higher to see that in higher elevations to see what's really going on here at the lower elevation. So once we can see something higher, it allows us to learn what needs to learn at the soul level and moves us to that next level. And maybe we'd have the trampoline and bounce some more back to a higher level but it's all the wonderful process that the soul goes through with many other ways in which it's trying to learn life's lessons. We're talking about joy with Richard. And my question to him is what does joy mean to you, Richard?
3: To me,
2: and it's my perception, joy is always present. It's all around us. It's, it's as present as oxygen that we breathe. So when I see life suffering, we can either go that route or we can be present. We can make a conscious choice. And this comes with simple practice hmm. that we build a momentum on so that we can Allow that joy to come into our hearts and our being, into our soul, and not be going to sympathy or any other vibration like that in relation to what's happening around us. But to make the choice to go into empathy, the more we go into a higher vibration, we personally, we open ourselves, that joy flows into us. And we can give to the, whoever's around us, the suffering. We, sometimes to experience joy, it's a point of getting out of ourselves and our own problem or perception of that problem and giving of that to others. The interesting thing is there's a statement that if I'm not receiving love, maybe. Oh. It's because I'm not giving it.
1: Mm. You know, you're making a a really wonderful point here. And it's of two points in terms of getting out of ourselves. In order to to experience joy, we need to let go of some of the pain, hurt, disappointments, traumas, challenges. And sometimes that's hard to do. But if we're looking to the higher good of what our soul evolution is about, then we're willing to figure out how to be able to do that. And one of the things that I want you to think about, Richard, is you figured out a way how to do that for yourself. Based upon your ups and downs in life, you have been able to do that. And so I'd like to pursue that piece, if it's okay with you, because I, I think seekers would be really interested in saying, when I'm down and out, it's hard to get out of myself.
3: Right. So
2: a little bit, just a little bit of the background. Uh, my mother left me when I was eight months old. My six-year-old sister did her best to keep me alive. And so for the 15 years of my life, life was very traumatic and with with physical abuse and even some sexual abuse. So it, it's I couldn't control that. But even at a tiny age and moving through those 15 years, I found that I could, I had control of what was within me. I didn't, I didn't express it at that age in that way, Mm -hmm. but it was beautiful because it's like there's something, there's, there's something dynamic. Going on, for instance, there was a gentleman that was in our community, and I only spoke with him once at the age of fifteen, but I knew him all my life and whenever he, I, he was walking down the street, even with what was going on around me, he he would look at me and wave, and I was filled uh, with a sense of peace tranquility, and I would suggest a a little bit of a buoyancy of joy, Mm -hmm. even though it may have been difficult for me and my soul and what I was going through to actually really accept that joy in its full expression into my being. And that, that was just profound to me that this gentleman had such an essence Of peace, tranquility and joy that just seeing him walk by me changed my perception, Mm -hmm. changed my attitude into what was going on around me that I could not control. We can always control our own being. We make the choice, left or right, etc. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I'd like to say here is I've, I have a little thing that I do. I will draw a, a smiley face, okay, and I do it just intuitively. I do boom, boom, boom the circle, the eyebrows, etc., the eyes and, and the mouth. And I suggest that we all have the seven dwarfs living inside of us. So – I do that, and sometimes if I notice someone at a checkout that is having a really hard day, uh, the the person behind the counter, I will draw that smiley face instead of signing my signature. Mm. And if, and I say to the person, "Oh, good, I'm not taking Grumpy home. My wife definitely doesn't like Grumpy," you know. So you do these little things that are spontaneous, you've got to have it in your pocket with you every moment of your day because you never know when a curveball is going to be swung your way.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we we do have these curveballs. And so what you're saying is being able to have something, regardless of the other person that may, what they're doing, they may be grumpy. Um, or they may be anxious or annoyed. It's like you do something to counter that by putting that smiley face, asking the seeker to be able to find out what are those things that bring joy to them internally that they can give to others in their interactions. Because what you were talking about earlier about, which is very true to the soul, is this vibration. Everything is vibration. So that gentleman you saw in Australia walking down the road, who was a part of your life for that first 15 years, was actually sitting out a vibration of calmness, of peace, of harmony, that he was cultivating that, and you picked up on it, which means that you have a very sensitive nature, and that is what the soul is. The soul has a very sensitive nature, and it's very important for us to protect our soul and also to be aware that that sensitivity is really a quality of intuition. With your thoughts about
3: that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And the intuition
2: or something like that to pull us back on track and pull us back into the center of our heart is letting go as much as possible of our thoughts. Our thoughts control our feelings our feelings, are our reactions, etc. So being able to move more into a space of being intuitive allows us to get a better perception of the overall picture of what's happening right
1: there and now. Yeah, it's as if you become fully present. Which is a you know part of this discussion, an area within us that has many dimensions in the heart that we don't we have rarely explored because we're so externally focused into the world, of form that we miss the elements that the soul wants us to be anchored within our heart and it want to be anchored within our being and for us to be fully present and paying attention to it to help it to grow and evolve and move through the different experiences it will go through from that point that you mentioned earlier, Richard, is from a point of inner peace or inner joy, knowing you have no control over some of the external things that happen to us.
2: Right, exactly. I I know that there's, and I've always had a sense that there, even though my parents didn't go to church, etc. so I didn't have that kind of a background. One of the important things is to just being present. When we do that, and we've got to create these little tools in our toolbox, and practicing being present is one of those. So we can breathe. Breathing is a wonderful thing because we have to breathe anyhow. So, Mm -hmm. So we slow our breath down and we make a conscious effort, we can actually step away from the situation. A beautiful practice is to say, excuse me, please. I shall return momentarily. And you, you walk away. It's your choice to stay there in that vibration that is not respectful to you.
1: I mean, those are things like arguments or frustrations or people not getting along or people screaming and yelling at you or another person. That vibration is not acceptable. So I hear you're saying kind of maybe take a moment and walk away from it to get recenter. Right. And,
2: and by doing that, we can regroup, we can recenter, we can make the choice to be present. One of the most beautiful ways that I've found. Is is a brain gym, is a wonderful mm. tool, and you you can look that up on the internet, okay. brain gym, and that's cooks hookups et cetera, and if you can do it, if you in a private space where you can just do it, um, so
1: say some and, more about that brain gym. I mean, what is it that they can be able to do for yeah, seekers? Brain,
2: brain gym is where you cross your feet and if the left foot is over your right foot, then you put your left hand over your right hand clasping them in front of you so that the palms are facing each other and then you roll it under and lo and behold your right hand is on top and your left foot is on top, and it creates a beautiful figure of eight flow, and it allows the the chakras, and those energy centers, for us to become more congruent with, and recenter, refocus. If you're inclined, say a little prayer, even do the OM.
1: Which the om is for the soul is the completeness of the wholeness and anchoring the soul into its physical form more. And when you're how I'm interpreting the om at for soul level and for seekers, right?
3: Right.
2: And it's interesting, I have a little song, I live in Montana up in the mountains, it's phenomenal. And so. Home, home on the range, where the deer and the antelope play, where seldom is heard a discouraging word, etc. So, mm-hmm.
1: you, Which brings up have- the other piece about songs and the the, the benefit of, of humming or singing, which also unites the harmony. And that harmony in- internally also expresses what the soul is needing in feeling comforted.
2: Absolutely. And you will, you will tune your own frequency when you do the um or song, whatever it is. It depends on the situation, the circumstances, and where you are at mm-hmm. any given time.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that is for the seeker. One of the things that Richard made mention of is chakras. And chakras are like the ganglionic nerve centers that exist within different aspects within the body itself. You can always look up more on that on the internet on chakras and realizing that there are pure colors to chakras and some of the things that are on the internet are not expressing the pure colors of what they really represent. But his talking about that aligning It's a whole conversation in itself, which we can do at some point, certainly. But as we're talking about being present with joy, he's just giving you some little things at a soul level and at the outer level of, of yourself that you can be able to do in order to get that centeredness and being more fully present. One of the things you, you had said, I'm, I'm wondering how still talking about the subject matter of being present with joy is one of the things you had mentioned to me is your natural ability and innate ability to work with your hands. You know, very young with the stereo, he building a stereo innately. And then also as he went into his adulthood in his 20s, 30s, 40s, he was really focused around large equipment, different experiences. Allowed him and tied him in to be anchor greater in being present with joy. How that all came to be.
2: It was it's it's interesting because there's things that we can't really explain, but we have a sense of something greater than ourselves. And even as a little child, I had that sense. And as I walk through life, when I would say, sure, I can do that. Then something magic happened. For instance, a next-door neighbor, when I was quite young, brought over a radio that he had had actually for years, and it wasn't working. And personally, I, I don't like manuals. I like to just put the manual aside, so I, I said to him, hey, I can fix that. And he said, whatever, go ahead. Every time this happened, or a lot of the times, I really didn't outwardly n- know what I was doing. I just simply did. In relation to to being or putting ourselves in that space, we open ourselves up to higher consciousness. We open up to a point where that divine consciousness from the universe can come into us because they that being, you might say, knows exactly what to do with that radio. And I had this happen many times where people would, I I got a little bit of a reputation where people would drop by, hey, can you, can you have a look at this and fix this? And of course, it works very well with my wife. So (laughs) it's, it countered the other dynamics. Like 90% of my life was literally chaos, just absolute uncontrollable chaos. And all these nuances that occurred in between, it was beautiful because it helped me hold on to something—a a deep core essence within my being—that was necessary to survive.
1: You know that tying into yes. it is as if the outer was in chaos, but something happened at the soul level, the inner was still centered in this innate wisdom that you tapped into and being able to fix things that you were talking about. Um, and it's as if sometimes we have to be aware as seekers that our inner self is going through certain experiences for a reason that we may not always know why, but are also that inner self has a, a sense of gifts and talents that are being given that sometimes we have to look around we look around sometimes actually and it's maybe not looking around externally it's looking around internally and see what you do naturally that is a natural gift that you are able to tie into Richard that I think other seekers tie into that they, they they just take for granted and don't think about that it is something that they can capitalize upon and utilize. And what I mean capitalize, I mean utilize it and accept it as gifts that's been given to you by your creator.
2: Absolutely. And at some point, there's a choice to turn the dial of frequency to either be pulled down by the energy all raised up. And the choice we make we are affecting the situation and the surrounding around us. There's there's an an old saying that um, relationships or friendships are like an elevator. They will either take you up or they'll take you down. So I encourage in order to nurture and build and strengthen the sense of joy, the sense of hope, those things that we can tap in when we need it, like immediately it, it becomes there because it's really hard to get our mind out of the way because the mind might be getting into a mode of fight or flight. So it's really important externally even though this is where we control things internally, is to make a concerted conscious effort to choose your friends. Mm-hmm. And if there is something is toxic in your environment, don't necessarily take it that it's yours. It may not be It may not be yours. It may be someone else's thought or feeling or attitude about you. This goes on in the workplace, unfortunately, a lot. So that we can, uh, by saying, you know, even though I like this person, it's time to end the toxicity. It's time to make the choice to be who I am in true essence so it's very it was it was one of the hardest choices in my life when I made the choice to divorce mm-hmm. after 9 years of marriage
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it was heart wrenching and during that period and then the next 2 years to follow I wasn't at Rock bottom. I was literally at the bottom of the rock, Mm -hmm. and it took. It took the choices and the efforts. For instance, Mm -hmm. it was like I had to make a choice: Am I like going to allow myself to stay under this rock or lift it off me? So I went to um, a year before that. I did a Shiatsu medicine class, um, mm-hmm. further education.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: so I went over to that class because I always knew he was looking for people to work on to show his class. And I stood at the door and he had a big smile on his face, the acupuncturist, phenomenal man. And he does the five element theory and he just waved like – Come on in. So I went in, and he does post diagnosis.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, normally people would assess six pulses, just be- behind the thumb, and he he had the ability to assess fifteen levels of pulse. So, and then he he draws it on a pentagram, and literally exposes exactly. What's going on in consciousness right at that moment? So after that was done,
1: is that One to, minute, Richard, you on a good point. So was it in consciousness or the consciousness plus the physical body? What was taking place, or it was just in consciousness in terms of the the di- the fifteen pulse diagnosis?
2: Right, it was both. Okay, it was, it was both. The point here was that I made the choice not to hide. I made the choice that I was worthy enough to put myself in this situation in a class of 40 people that didn't know me and have everything exposed to these people about me at that moment so that I could be healed, so that I could be whole, so that I could move on. Interestingly enough, in that situation, it took me a while, in a sense, to to build the courage to reflect, because it was a it was a glimpse in that part of my life. It was a glimpse of here and there of feeling worthy, of feeling that I would survive this situation. Of being uh apart from my children and even my my wife at the time, because the overall um very beautiful person, a very deep person, so it can take a while if you're in a situation of um what would you call it if you're in a situation of grieving
3: mm-hmm, or pain. something
2: very pain something very deep mm-hmm. and one of the one of the lessons that I've learned is to be gentle on myself when I'm in that situation because it's very hard to think of a solution it's very hard to think positively of what I need to do to move beyond this and not be stuck in it. So that was a very and that interestingly enough, that's literally the only reason why I'm speaking to you right now because mm-hmm. the entire class left, they did their thing on me, and then he when they left, he smiled at me and said, "Stay behind richard i'll I'll rebalance you so unbeknown to me, there was one woman that stayed at the back of the classroom. He rebalanced me. I walked out of the classroom, and she came out after me, and she said, excuse me, and I I was like, yes, yes. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: She said, how did you do that? And I said, how did I do what? How did you allow yourself to be exposed to such depths in front of all those people? I said, well, ma'am, it was pretty easy it was the only way up. They didn't know me, I didn't know them, and hopefully they learn some, something from it. So she said, "That was that was amazing that you were able to do that." She said, "I'd like you to follow me home, and I'll make you lunch." And I said, um, "Okay." You know, so I followed her home. We developed a beautiful relationship. It very quickly turned into a spiritual relationship because we were both divorced around, you know, she had been divorced three years, I'd been divorced two years. And it was a very, very dynamic situation. Then to fast forward, after probably a year or so of of that relationship, she said, I'm going to America. Um, there's a conference over there that I want to attend. Are you coming? And I didn't have any money at the time i said well I, what what do you mean i'm uh, am I coming because I don't have any way of paying for it The next morning, she put five thousand dollars in my bank account. She said, "Are you coming?" And I said, "Well, it looks as if I am. <laughs> so I came over here, and amazingly enough, the same situation in relation to heavy equipment I was in the commandos which is like the Navy seals etc when I finished that career um, it was like what do I do with my life because I didn't have any formal education it was amazing that I ended up in that in that battalion
3: mm-hmm.
2: so I we had a background on heavy equipment just a little bit to know that when we go in and do COVID operations between behind enemy lines, we can use whatever's at hand to do what we have to do. And that would include a bulldozer or whatever. So I certified, you know, as one of these crash 40-hour courses, and I certified on heavy equipment. And I traveled around. I got married to my first wife. We traveled around Australia And to make a living, i do heavy equipment. But I did not literally have a clue about how to operate hardly anything. I had 40 hours of experience. And it was so funny because once again, once again, I would go up and and apply for the job, and he would point at a machine, sometimes huge. He'd point, can you operate that? I said, yeah, sure, give me 15 minutes to get used to it, you know. And to me, and this is what I encourage all of the listeners to develop, and many of them have already developed it, and they already have it in their being. It's part of their essence to draw on it and strengthen from it, and that is that uh, I would hop on the equipment and. It's almost like a higher level of being, and that was my own being, in other words, my own presence, I am presence, To came down and took over. And within 15 minutes, I had mastered that piece of equipment and got the job. And I used to chuckle about it. It's like, oh, okay. It got to the point of where I was the the foreman in relation to a rock quarry mm-hmm. and main operator, etc. Mm-hmm. and it actually allowed me, uh, you know, when we settled down, my wife got pregnant, we had to find a city to go to, that was Adelaide, Australia, and we settled down, and I had sufficient confidence, and that's another point: having the confidence so many of us lack the level of confidence that is rightfully ours. It's rightfully ours. I say that because we have to claim it. We have to literally claim it in our own self-worth. So I purchased, I put the money out there and purchased some heavy equipment and actually ran my own business for for nine years, mm-hmm. etc. I had... An inner sense of trust and faith faith is profound that would allow me to move through all of those dynamics that I move through, and the pain and the agony and the anguish combined are necessary to build the platform that is solid and firm. And have the tools that we need to grab onto and pull out of that toolbox, whether it's a cross crawl, which is brain gym, whether it's grounding.
0: Hi, Richard. I would like to just interrupt and stop for right now because I think you have shared a wealth of information that will be a benefit to our seekers listening about your life and how you've been going about to stay present with joy. And I, what I'd like to do is have a part two to this. Conversation that gets into more of this whole area that you've had in the living of your 75 years of life of how you've evolved and cultivated staying present with joy. Thank you, Richard. Bye for now, everyone. Thank you for joining me for this episode on Mastering Life's Adventures, Being Your Best Self Through Soul Evolution. If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, I would be delighted if you would share this episode with others. Leave a thumbs up and subscribe to my Master in Life's Adventures podcast. Look forward to your joining the next episode. Please leave any comments or suggestions you might have below. Bye for now.